Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to Boys Lunch. It is good to have you all here, especially for all our first-time listeners out there. All of you out there. Yeah. So many. Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> oh, we've had some, uh, we've had some new listeners. Uh, my brother Aaron's taking a listen. Uh, you know, I've got, uh, yeah, it's kind of slowly found its way into uh, some of my friends that I, um, I didn't share it, but it's getting there. Yeah, so I just kind of want to bring up for our, uh, maybe people that are just joining the podcast, we started this back in November to high school theology teachers. We originally kind of made it for our students, but as we've kind of been growing, trying to expand out a little bit and maybe start promoting it a little bit more, like just at all would be a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but might be talking about a lot of different things now that we have kind of a bigger audience. So. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see um, the growth that it's gone. And yeah, we really haven't done a lot of like publicizing or sharing just kind of within our classes, but it's kind of uh, made its way out into uh, some different and some older populations. And yeah, we're excited for all those new listeners out there. You would be shocked by the numbers. The numbers are, I just... We're not going to make them public, but like you would be shocked. You would be shocked. So if you know someone that needs to be listening, share it with someone that needs to listen. Uh, a little insider uh, info based on the podcast. Um, you know, we had some applicants for uh, interns. Uh, yeah, a posting that was never posted yeah. and that we didn't know that we needed. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to hire an intern. What are it's your a thoughts? Big, it's a big step. I was originally against it because I'm like, what would they do? I just love the idea that someone wants to be an intern for the podcast, just to say we, we have an intern. But the more I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> what would they do? We need an intern. We need it. And I don't know why we haven't had one before. But we're excited. We might introduce that intern a little bit more about them uh, next episode, but yeah, I mean that's just that's how you know you made it. And, and it's more just like a scapegoat. If we ever have yeah, problems, absolutely. it's definitely the intern. It's not us. The first person to get fired from the podcast will most certainly be the intern. We should take bets on how long he lasts before we fire him. And if he does anything measurable, <laughs> <laughs> he actually contributes. We should have like weekly like yeah meetings with him, <laughs> checkups, yeah, production meetings, yeah production meetings. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Interview with Jude. So uh, I did a bit of a media tour on behalf of the podcast because it's getting so big. Uh, Interview with Jude. Check him out. I think he streams live on Facebook. Um, but uh, that's great work by Jude. Uh, he's had some phenomenal guests. He had uh, an incredible dentist on, tennis player <laughs> at a local university, um, local priest of our diocese was on. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, me. Yours truly. Uh, yours truly. They didn't let Joey come on, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's. Uh, they even chose you in person. Yeah, that was a bold move. Bold move. Yeah. Live. Live. Hot, Hot mic. Um, but I it's mean, big time though. I think Jude said his first episode had like nine hundred some views. I know I said I wouldn't share our numbers, but we are not there. <laughs> we are not. Jude is uh, blowing us out of the water, but um, but it was nice enough of him to. To have me on, he asked some good questions, some hard-hitting questions, and then uh, yeah, he even plugged the podcast himself. I didn't even have to like shamelessly slip that in there. So again, thanks, thanks to Jude. We're getting big time. The the Jude bump. I mean, we are seeing it. The numbers. Oh yeah. Again, we're not going to publicly publicly publish those numbers, but 
You'd be shocked. You, you would be shocked. I uh, was thinking earlier today, I just gave a lesson about like having inspiring things around you, like in your home. Like we're talking about like building a good family culture and how like having pictures of your family, obviously, but like religious art or just different things that make you think, that make you happy, stuff like that. And I got looked at my desk, my work desk, and they're actually not here. Someone moved them. But I just like looked down at my work desk when I was thinking that. And I had a little bobblehead of Detlef Shrimp and a bobblehead of Sammy Sosa. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we're building a culture. Yeah, here. there's a lot of inspiration around my classroom. Uh, that's one of, I think my students' biggest complaints about my classroom is we have some theology teachers here that have done a phenomenal job, kind of above and beyond, above and beyond dressing their room up with art. Even you've got stations of the cross. That was from the previous teacher. I can't even yeah. take credit. <laughs> Anything that looks like it came from an eighth grader is from me. <laughs> okay, okay. But you got some ceiling tiles here, and uh, I mean, you you did that uh, image of Christ. This is great podcast stuff. As I point, to yeah, yeah, on the wall. <laughs> Guys, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Let me paint you a picture. <laughs> Um, I've just got leftover posters that I've grabbed from former teachers here. Um, I've got a, a, a portrait of Martin Luther that my buddy got me. For my a lot wedding. of questions come a about that. A lot of questions that. come about that, especially when, especially when some of the other teachers come in, they use our classroom for scholastic bowling. So why do you have that? But Barely um, has an image of Jesus in his room, but has a huge Martin Luther. <laughs> yeah, I've got a cross. It's a crucifix. So yeah, I guess uh, so. Any uh, donations, art-wise, if you wanna you wanna drop those off, we'll take those, of course. Seriously, just uh, drop them off at our Patreon page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just sit on the doorstep of our Patreon page. That'd be great. But um, anything else to share before we get rolling here? No, just uh, excited to be back at it. Let me tell you, your last episode. I mean, let's oh be yeah. You know what, viewers? I'm sorry that we have Paul back on. We went through a lot of internal discussions on like maybe moving forward with a different vision. And I just felt so bad for Paul. We brought him back. Sally did a phenomenal job. Yeah, it was nice to be able to do that, but it's uh, nice to be back to boys' lunch. Is Sorry, it? honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, anyway, possible intern. Welcome if you're new. Uh, we have some hard-hitting stuff to get to. Uh, can I just mention a frustrating experience, though? I don't know if I – I told you about my library experience. This is a safe space. Joey, please tell us. So libraries, you know how they're dying. I'll try to be quick with this. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. Well, let's just get right, down, to right down to it. The libraries are in general are dying. And we've been trying to help support our local library. We've been doing, like, the online reservations and going and picking it up. Mm -hmm. And – we happen to misplace a Paw Patrol trace and find book. It's a five page book. You know, it's in the grand scheme of things, probably not a big deal. I ordered some new books and I pull up and we had just returned like 17 things. And the one that we hadn't returned was this Paw Patrol trace and find. This lady comes out, uh, standing like 10 feet away from my car and just kind of gives me a motion of like, get out of the car oh. <laughs> as she's holding all my stuff. So normally they put it on a table. You come out once they leave. And so I open the door and she's like, she calls me out. She like embarrasses me. I was like, you haven't turned in this Paw Patrol book. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Do you want me to run home and grab it? She's like, no, I've already checked these out and I really shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to give them to you. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, I'm probably like your third customer of the day and it's five o'clock at night. Like, do you, this is the fight you want to be like having right now. You're going to like embarrass me in front of everyone and be like, I shouldn't have done this, but you're going to have these. 
I'm just picturing you in a line of cars getting pulled out and like stopping this kind of clean movement of pickup. Yeah. And her just being like over a microphone, be like, oh, we're missing one. Trace and find Paw Patrol. I was like, come on. Like <laughs> it's a five page book. We'll find it. But obviously like you're gonna push me away, my business. I, I was just I was surprised. And that is why the library industry is dying. <laughs> I'm sorry. For all those librarians out there and those people who work in libraries. Totally valid, totally legitimate. We, uh, we're doing kind of a topic today that it might be more for us than it is. Actually, no, I, I think it's good. It, it's relevant to what we're kind of experiencing within our world of ministry and teaching. And it's something that I've gotten more into, I would say, the past three or four years. We're going to be diving into some Father Luigi Giussani. Please don't sign off right now. <laughs> he was an Italian Catholic priest that died in 2005, so he's recent. He founded a movement called the Communion and Liberation Movement. Very uh, very kind of intellectual, philosophical, deep-thinking type of thing. I ran into it at Benedictine, my college. I never really got into it because it was a lot of more like the philosophy heads, the artistic people that were a lot more creative, a lot more intelligent than me, so I was kind of like intimidated by it. Uh, I kind of picked it up, I think, when we started maybe discussing looking at stuff mm-hmm. in school. I don't know if you really had any experience with him before. Uh, we read a little bit of stuff uh, at our local parish. They had just started kind of a community and liberation. They are inviting kind of new couples and families into it. We, so we had had some exposure to his writings. But I think it was when we decided to pick up, and it may have been at a, a diocesan kind of in-service that someone had spoken of his book, Risk of Education. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we decided with uh, Kevin... Uh, to read that, I think over the summer. That's I'm going to edit that part out of Kevin. Please don't mention him. <laughs> He's dead to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, librarians and Kevin really just on the list uh, yeah. for Joey right now. Yeah, when we did that kind of, um, we read that over the summer. I mean, really just his ability to take kind of yeah these high-minded theological and philosophical concepts, but also to see into uh, the human person and how they the human person might benefit with Christ as the source of, of all of this, the truth, this logos, right? This word that's lived, right? How um, these high-minded theological and philosophical concepts can be brought down to kind of this practical level and speak into the human person and how, yeah. how it can kind of be uh, in the light of Christ, be free to live as it ought to. Um, and I think it, we just, it spoke to us and, and his prioritization of the human person relationships in, and specifically in education and relationship forming that I think really was beneficial to our teaching as a career. I think just the way that he uh, writes and, and describes the encounter of God, the experience of God, it just makes it like a, a lot more lived. So there was a, a few portions that I wanted to talk about that I think we're seeing as more of like, if we're looking at some of the problems with this postmodern world, our Christian world today, especially, what we maybe encounter with our high schoolers and some of the fights and battles we have. In his book, uh, At the Origin of the Christian Claim, uh, everyone uh, check that out your your local <laughs> library. Doubt they have that. Uh, but he talks about, and this is one of his classic themes, the proposal of Christ, this idea of when you are addressed with Christ and the reality of who he is, that this person 2,000 years ago said that he was God and lived in a way kind of proving that he was God. We as people nowadays have to address that problem. That's kind of one of his big themes. The proposal of Christ means that you need to address that. And he quotes um, Dostoevsky. Any big fans out there? I'm afraid to say anything about it's books. Silent. You're shot at libraries. I know. I just... 
just crickets on the mic. A Russian novelist in the mid-1800s, he's known for crime and punishment, the idiot. But in the Brothers Karamazov, he writes about this part. He says, faith is reduced to this anguish problem. Can an educated human, a contemporary European, believe, really believe in the divinity of the Son of God, Jesus Christ? So basically, the faith and the problem of our time is, can an educated person in our day and age truly believe in Jesus? And he says that the mere fact that one even claims that they were God presents this radical, unavoidable problem. He goes on to quote another famous philosopher. I guess Dostoevsky isn't a philosopher, but he's a great thinker. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard, a uh, philosopher from Denmark in the early 1800s. You guys, are you uh, writing this down yet? Kierkegaard. Way too many vowels. You keep going. I'll sign it out. There are way too many vowels than you would expect. But I'm getting somewhere. So Dostoevsky brings up this point. Can the modern man really truly believe in Christ? Kierkegaard says that the base, he says, the basis form of scandal in human terms is to leave the whole problem of Christ without a solution. This idea that Christianity has been announced to you means you must assume a position in Christ's regard. He himself, or the fact that he exists, represents the one decision to be made in life. That Christianity has been announced to you means you must assume a position. Thoughts so far? Am I doing it? Okay. Yeah, love it. He says, there are certain, this comes from Giussani now, there are certain provocations that because of their radical nature, we cannot eliminate or censure once we have per perceive them. Uh, and I would say that what we have encountered over the years, when I first started teaching about seven, eight years ago, I mean, you had a, a few people in each class who were your more skeptics and just professed atheists, people that didn't believe in God. And you would kind of spar with them intellectually, go back and forth. Um, but in general, like, People cared enough about the question, the believers and non-believers, to entertain the question of whether or not God existed. Nowadays, I would say, and I don't know if you would agree, most of our kids believe in God, but don't really care enough to even like look at the reasoning, would you say? And even our atheists have kind of like made up their mind and are not like willing to even engage in the the, the conversation. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I would, I would say so. I think there is... Uh, kind of an apathy towards it where it's like yeah i mean it's possible you've and i think like in our own classes they may say we've can we have provided them uh, a somewhat convincing argument that he indeed is god but what does that mean for me is that is that applied to me that does that change my life in any real way and i think it's yeah it's just this this kind of shrugging of the shoulders and yeah okay so our, our average high schooler, you would say, thinks that it's reasonable to believe in God. Yeah. They're not really like bothered by the fact. Like when it comes to this idea that Jasani and all these guys are saying that you need to address this, in some ways they've addressed it. They're like, okay, you're, you're telling me this guy is God, I believe. Or at the very least, like, yeah, I can see that. Right. It, he goes on to say, like, for those, which is I think is another, like, set of problems, I think there are still people that are not addressing it. He says, alluding a fact in the persistent, irrational, distracted way which man paradoxically is capable of, seriously deforms the human personality. I just like that line, eluding a fact in a persistent, in an irrational, distracted way. Like if that doesn't descri describe humans, like even myself, like a very persistent, irrational way that we like avoid problems, that we allow distractions to take us away from these lingering questions of my purpose for my life, like the bigger meaning of things. Mm -hmm. Like there is just something about the human nature where we're so good at doing that. And it's kind of scary, actually. Yeah, I mean, one of the, it is the single biggest question, right? Proposed is largely out of sight, out of mind for a lot of our students and not just our students. I think the larger population as well. There are plenty of things, um, some of them our own actions that allow us to kind of hide or dismiss or be distracted and avoid or just um, 
or the effort isn't put forth to kind of chase down the end of that line of thought. Okay, yeah. Okay, he claims to be God. Yeah, it's reasonable. Yeah. And then what? But they're not even comprehending what they're just assenting to there, right? Yeah. And that's kind of his next part. He says, as a side note, I would point out that we can be convinced that we live like Christians inserted in what we call the Christian ranks without having resolved this problem for ourselves. So there are some people I think that are like, yeah, sure. But have they really like, and they consider themselves Christians, but have they actually processed what the weight of that yes means? Right. Because like, what you just said is pretty like out there, pretty radical, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that ought to bring a fundamental change in how one not only views the world, but how one lives their life. I think you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a break in the, either they're not asking the question in the first place, is there a God? Or if they, because by the very nature of the fact that they go to that Catholic school, they're going to hear that year after year after year, right? They're like, okay, yeah, you've presented a reasonable argument. I don't see any major reason yeah. not to, but that that's where it stops. And I think we talked about the noise or the distractions or the irrational ways in which we dismiss how that applies to our own life. That's what we're dealing with now. That's this, because yeah, I, I bet you if I took a poll in there, a blind poll, I'm, we're looking at uh, overwhelming majority of people are like, yeah, Jesus Christ, person, claim to be God, that makes sense. But you ask them if they prayed five minutes each day and they would say, no, like I don't remember the last time I did that. Right, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, last time you received a sacrament, went to confession, what we are, yeah, what is your what does your prayer life look like? Like you said, describe for me your spiritual life. You're looking at a, a large majority that's going to say, I don't have one. And I, I would, we're, we're throwing a huge blanket statement. Like right. that, there are solid kids that are out there. But if we're looking at the masses of what we like encounter each year, I would say like the majority of people are on this camp that we're talking about. So some of you rock stars out there that are probably listening to this podcast, we're not singling you out. Right. But I think even, and why Lent. I think works so well, we talked about this last time, is even for the best of those people that have committed, thought about how that applies to their life, made the changes, you know, are actually walking with and have conformed their life to that of Christ or what that, or spent time thinking about how, what that means for them and how they ought to live now that they've accepted that. Um, we can still be distracted ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We can allow for our own prayer lives to become stagnant or for us to kind of drop some good habits that we had, you know, maybe um, in our excitement when we first kind of had this realization we've let slip. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it is even for those people that see themselves as having answered and taken the next step, I think we can still backslide a little bit. So that, that kind of like transitions to this next part that I thought was key. Yes, there's the proposal. Some people are addressing it. Some people aren't. But he is like really into this idea of the encounter, the event, the experience of really meeting Jesus. And he uses this, the example of the first apostles. When they first encountered him, it says they, he, they were so struck by what he said and what, the way he looked at them that they accepted him immediately. They placed their trust in him. But that wasn't just the end of the story. Like constantly throughout, he, and he talks about in John's gospel especially, the next chapter in the wedding at Canaan when they see his first public miracle, it helps them believe. And Jusani said, if those disciples had not seen him again, they would have forgotten that strange encounter, even though they acknowledged him as the Messiah. So even though the apostles in person encountered him as the Messiah, if they hadn't followed him and constantly learned from him and put out effort to conform their lives, change their lives, they too would have, like, like you said, had that backslide. Um, and that's like kind of the, the part that we're trying to at least connect kids to and even ourselves, like we're trying to connect in our own journey. But yes, I've answered this question, but we're seeing a lot of apathy to the follow through. And to have you really, when you said yes, did you really mean that? Did you know what that really entailed? 
And he says that it's not even that these apostles are being insincere or non-believing. There's just this necessary, he says, uh, this re-encounter with Jesus is really deepening the original impression and this continuous, continuous convergence of impressions and feelings helps reinforce their belief. So the more and more you encounter Christ, that's why you should be praying every day. That's why you should be trying to live out the sacramental life and build a community around you, good people, because that original impression that you first saw of Jesus is deepened in these other ways. I mean, that's the gospel today, right? Caesarea Philippi, where Christ asked Peter, well, who do you say that I am, right? It's not like when he recognizes him as the Christ, as the Messiah, he's like, eh, we're done here. Good work. Everybody head back home, right? You know, there is, there was still very much this journey to Jerusalem that they had, right? The witness of the cross, the crucifixion, the resurrection, um, all serving, like you said, to kind of reinforce. I think that's why we spend time talking about this over lunch is because I think we do a good job as a school presenting a rational reason for his, for the belief of Jesus Christ, that he exists, that he was God. But there is that, I think something we're realizing more and more over the years that is their willingness to take that next step. Part of that might be the fact that we've had a lot of our retreats stripped away. Not everybody can make it to mass on Sunday. Um, small groups are, you know, until recently weren't, you know, permitted. So maybe part of that is kind of. Surreal. It's tough on everyone for it's, us too. Right. So, but also I think it is like, a, there is a, a missing piece, a missing motivator. This line from Jusani, I know I'm quoting a lot, but it just, it really struck me and stayed with me. It says, nothing disarms us or makes us yield with a sense of total abandonment as much as being discovered and understood. When you actually encounter Christ, not just the content of theology, but the experience itself of God, like discovering you and, and knowing that you're being understood by this one who created you and that you stay on this journey with him. It's not just you see him that day after the baptism in the Jordan, you followed him in his, in his journey. Um, that is, I think, the that most important step. And that's like a lot of Jasani's theology that drew me into him, into that movement. I love that quote too, that um, Christ understands the human person, right? I think it even says like, he has something that I too, like he shares in something that I also have. And the fact that that journey leaves with this beautiful self-sacrificial love and this complete gift of self, right? For the redemption of all, for you, for me, right? So I think this genuine encounter where you understand that he truly understands me as a human person and has a desire and love for me that is, mm -hmm. is unlike any other. And to, to foster that relationship, to feel encountered in, in a genuine way. And I think that's what Giasani speaks so well to is, is our desire and need as human people to be understood, to be loved. And no, and no greater way is that, is that realized in, in the love of Jesus Christ yeah. for us. So, um, so yeah, I think the problem that we are finding is that our students aren't really atheists. <laughs> Although like atheism, I think is a, a problem that a lot of people, I know like Bishop Barron does a good job of trying to, to show that. To continue to be reintroduced and to come to know Christ and to walk with, right? Um, trying to foster this love for the scriptures where again, you're sitting with in prayer and mm -hmm. coming to know uh, and to foster that relationship with Christ so that we, again, may be affirmed in our belief, experience the sacraments, receive that grace. That's the, where, where do we bridge that gap between initial encounter and acceptance and continual conversion, right? Continual conversion, lived experience day, day in and day out where we're, we're constantly reaffirmed by our own actions and the reception of that grace through the sacraments offered by the church where it's like, like this is the essential part, especially as they go out, right? They're not going to have a theology class every day mm -hmm. uh, as our students graduate. Um, 
you know, they're not, we're not, they're not going to be having that kind of pumped into their lives like it is here. So unless they've got those habits built, that ability to kind of sustain themselves spiritually, um, it, it can be, it can be a real struggle. I think an important question for all of us to ask is have we really encountered Christ in that real way where the, the apostles the first time they were just shocked about who he was, um, that the faith is intellectual and we're not really having a problem with that here. It's just more, I think, like you said, the apathy. And I think that's a problem with the modern world. I think the apathy of ordinary time, like you're saying, Lent helps give us some kind of purpose and re-encounter Christ. I think we get very apathetic in February during ordinary time, but like we have that push, I guess, to encounter God again. So maybe if you've struggled so far in Lent to recommit to yourself to what or to your promises or whatever, recommit to some type of prayer and action. Well, if you're new, hopefully you stay with us, even after I bashed the library system. Yeah, really took a shot at the library. I just was a little offended. I'm like, we're we're like one of the few people supporting you right now. Like, I will get it to you, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're doing them a favor, especially if they're if they're doing late fees again. I mean, really. By not turning it in and then you having to pay a late fee, you really support them. Exactly. I'm giving you money. Come on. Any shout outs? Uh, to all those new listeners out there. Really appreciate it. Shout out to Jude Bordaway. Yeah, Jude, doing a heck of a job. Really appreciate your uh, your shout outs and your uh, yeah, media tour. It's helping. Got the Jude bump. Also like a non shout out to our future intern. Yeah. Who may or may not be revealed on the next podcast. Yeah. So I'm Want to want it to be like clear? I'm not shouting you out. <laughs> Big plans. Okay. For the kingdom. For the kingdom.